God is truly doing some amazing things in our church, and one of the things I'm looking forward to this coming year, 2012, is our trip to Mexico. We're going to go on a trip to Mexico as a church. Anyone, everyone is invited. All ages are invited. If you have neighbors who would love to go on a mission trip, they're invited. Um, you know, we want to open this up. What a, it's going to be a great opportunity for spiritual growth in our lives to invest in the lives of other children uh, in Mexico and also an opportunity to reach out to our community and say, hey, you want to you want to join us? Come and join us. Let's go and do this together. We have an informational meeting uh, after the service, after the second service. We'll share uh, whatever. If you have any questions, we'll answer your questions. Uh, we have information about the trip. Um, I really want you as a family to be praying about joining us uh, in March. We're doing it doing, uh, during Mason's spring break. We tried to you know, pick a spring break, and, and I know other schools may not have the exact same time off, but if you've given them enough time in advance, um, many times schools for religious activities will allow the students to be off and give them their homework or whatever they need to catch up on. So please consider that. Be thinking about it. I think it will be a time for all of us. Uh, that will truly change our lives. This morning, I want to continue our series by asking Jesus to help us understand prayer. Jesus, help me understand prayer. Now, keep your eyes open and your ears open and don't fall asleep now if you thought, oh, we're going to talk about prayer. God is going to do something really special in your life if you just allow him to this morning. You know, someone asked me this past week, how do you pray? person came to know the Lord, you know, a few months back. And, you know, as Christians, we sometimes forget that. You know, my first question was as a Christian, what, what are all these numbers in this book? It's got a lot of numbers. I had no idea. You think, that's a silly question. Not if you never opened up a Bible, it's not a silly question. Other books don't have all those numbers. So people asking, how do you pray? And so I want to go through and Jesus, help us understand prayer because Jesus died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. This unique and intimate relationship with God and prayer is a vital part of that relationship, a vital part. Martin Luther King said something I totally agree with. He said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Thoroughly, 100% agree. Now, you would think that prayer would be something that Christians are all pretty good at. Like, you know, it's, they, we have no problem praying. We all like to pray. No issues in prayer. But there's a lot of people whose prayer lives are dull. They're boring. They're dry. They do it. Christians, I'm talking about. They do it in passing or they do it when they get into trouble. You know, when you got some problems, then you start to pray. And so the question I have this morning is, how can we bring a vibrancy? How can we bring passion? How can we bring that excitement back into our prayer lives? When you were a younger Christian, some of you couldn't wait to pray. You get up early in the morning, you do it before you went to bed, whatever. And as over time, you know, things just wear on you. Life just begins to wear on you. And some of the things that you used to love to do, that time spent with God, you just don't do anymore unless you have a problem. So let me let me share some principles that Jesus gives you and gives us in Matthew chapter six that will help us with our prayer lives. If you don't know how to pray, this is really going to help. If you haven't been praying in a while or you're just kind of your prayer life is dull. I hope the next couple of weeks just really opens up your heart and open up, opens up your minds and opens up your prayer life. The first step to a vital prayer life is to make sure that you have the right attitude. 
We need to have the right attitude. I'm telling you, wherever it is in the word of God, it doesn't matter. Jesus and God are always talking about attitude of the heart. What is the attitude of the heart? In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. First thing we need to realize when it comes to prayer is we need to be real. We need to be authentic. We need to be real and authentic. We need to be honest. We don't, we don't need to be trying to press other people with, our, with our, the significance of our prayers and how wonderful we are at praying. You know, you catch a lot of people. So I, I, I notice that sometimes I feel like people are praying to the other people around them. They're not really praying to God. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said, stop trying to impress everybody else with your prayers. He's talking about the Pharisees here. And the Pharisees, would, they would go into synagogues and they would go into, into the street corners and they would put on some big prayer spectacle. Uh, they make a spectacle of themselves when they were praying. Same thing with the money. You know, if a Pharisee were in a church like our setting, we had the boxes over here, they would get up right about now and they start walking over the box, jingle, jingle, jingle. And they start pouring it into the offering box or taking a big wad and, you know, clunk, you know what I'm saying? So that you could all see them. Everybody go, oh, look how much money they gave. And Jesus said, that means nothing to God. The reward is here. Everybody saw them. Everybody was, oh, you're so wonderful. Look how much money you gave. Your reward is done. Same thing with prayer. They'd stand on the street corners and put on all kinds of, you know, a show for you to show how much they could pray. And they'd wipe dirt all of themselves and they were fasting and walk around. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've fasted for seven days. And that's how they do. And Jesus said they've received the reward already. Don't be like them. Don't be like these hypocrites. There was, a, there was a guy in a church when I first started going to church years. I was about 18 or 19 years old. He was a normal guy until he went to prayer. You sit down in your Wednesday prayer meeting. And I was a young Christian. And I didn't know what it was all about. I just sit there. And this guy starts busting out in some other voice. Okay. And talking in old English or something. Thou, O God, are holy. And and we're like, you know, I'm wondering who, God's wondering who he is too. So who's that again? Oh, that's that guy making up voices again. I don't know. (laughs) Just talk to me, man. I don't know. You know, what are you doing with this? 500 years ago, a thousand years, it sounded great. But right now, it doesn't sound too good. This guy doesn't even know what you're saying. That's me, you know. don't, Don't impress everyone around you. With your prayers, just be honest and be sincere. Jesus says, don't be like that. When you go into prayer, if someone asks you to give a public prayer, and you're like, oh man, what do I do? I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Everybody who knows how to talk, raise your hand. Okay? All right, you're, you're halfway there. Okay? You, if you know how to talk, then you know how to pray. And that's all a prayer is, just talking to God. Just talk to God. If you get stuck and you're like, oh, what, do I, what do I say? Just say what's on your heart. Just, just share, what, be honest. God, I just pray that you would help me out. I'm having a miserable week. Boy, I'll tell you, I haven't had a week like this in such a long time. That's a fantastic prayer. There's no these and thous in there. I didn't, get, I didn't change my voice. You know, God understood me clearly. You all understood me. I wasn't praying to you. I was praying to him. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't pray things that God, you think, you know, sometimes we pray things that we think God wants to hear. 
And so we, you know, we start to pray and, you know, we're thinking, well, God would want to hear this and God would want to hear that. I mean, in a, in a negative way, we're trying to we're trying to kind of almost trick God. God wants to hear from your heart. That's what he wants to hear. He wants to hear from his child. I don't want my son Joshua to come up to me and start saying that. What does my dad want to hear? I have someone very close to me um, in, in my life who, uh, who I, I grew up with. And every time we get back together, the conversation, I just sit there and I feel so bad. I just want to say, relax, just talk to me because everything they say to me is calculated. Every question they ask is calculated, every statement they make. And it's just they, they're, they're saying what they think I want to hear. I just want to hear from, I want to have an honest conversation. How are you doing? How are things going? God just wants to have an honest conversation. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're going to say. So just, just say it. You're not fooling anyone. Along with that is Matthew 6, 6, and it says this, 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You need to go to a place where you can be alone. You need to go to a place where you can be quiet. You need to go to a place where you can eliminate all the, or as many distractions as possible from your life. And all the moms in here are going, yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'll pray for you. Lord, give them a place, find them a place. You can't even go in the bathroom and be alone for five seconds, let alone go find a place to pray, right? You've got to find a place that's quiet. You've got to find a place, if you can, where you're alone and where you're not distracted. It doesn't mean you can't pray in the car in, in, in you know, downtown traffic or whatever. It doesn't mean you can't pray in church. It's just Jesus is making a principle here. He's really concerned about how people are praying and the emphasis they're putting on and trying to draw attention to themselves. He said, you know, just find a place where you can focus. Now, think of a time, right? Close your eyes for one second. Think of a time and a place where you can pray. What's a good time for you? And what's the best place for you? It might be in the car. Just go out in the car and hide somewhere. Just hide for a little while. Where's mom? I have no idea. She snuck away to pray again. (laughs) Okay? So find your time and find your place. Second, you need to be specific. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says... And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. When, when you pray, it's better to have the right heart and few words than it is to have a whole lot of words and no heart. It's better to have just a few words and the right heart than a whole lot of words and no heart. Martin Luther wrote this, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. The fewer the words, the better the prayer. It's a pretty short quote, isn't it? Martin Luther, the, better the, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. When, when you talk to the Lord, just talk. Just, just talk. That's all prayer is. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. It's you and God getting together, just spending some time together. So when you come before the Lord, be open, be authentic, be honest. More is not always better. More is not always better. You know, my favorite prayer, and I said this before, is, Lord, do something. Because I, when I pray that when I've run out of all the things I've tried on my own, and I can't even think 
of what to say to the Lord for how he can help me. I have a finite mind and I have an issue or a problem I got myself into. I don't know how to get out of the problem. I've thought it through. I've asked other people. They've given me some answers. That didn't work. Uh, and I've even prayed some things. And I don't. And you get to the point where you don't even know what to pray. You don't even know, like, to ask, Lord, if you could do this for me to get me out. You don't even know that. And I say, Lord, with my finite mind and your infinite mind, do something. That's my favorite prayer. Do something. I don't pull it out all the time. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like my secret weapon. You know, I only pull it out once in a while. It's when I'm totally, Lord, do something. That's a good prayer. You know why? God knows my heart. He knows my attitude. He knows what situation I'm in. He knows I'm completely dumbfounded by the whole thing. He doesn't need me to explain to him the situation again. Do something, Lord. Now, this is not saying that we shouldn't spend a lot of time in prayer. It's not what it's saying. It's not saying that you shouldn't spend a, a lot of time in prayer. Again, what he's talking about is an attitude of the heart. He's saying just don't, just don't pray a, a long time to impress other people. That's what people do. They pray a long time because they want to they impress other people. You know, you're sitting there in a prayer meeting. This is now just go back to your days when it was like a hot church and in summertime, whatever else, and it's Wednesday, Wednesday night and, and you're in a prayer meeting and, you know, people are praying and you know they're praying to impress other people. You know, and, and what happens is you're, you're, just, you're just sitting there in the prayer meeting and, and, and you say to yourself, wow, that person is so spiritual. I woke up and they're still praying, Right? <laughs> Now, show of hands, and don't you lie now. Don't lie. How many people have nodded off during a long prayer in a hot summer night or whatever? Come on, look at these liars out here. Raise your hand up. Come on. You know you're not, not when I've been praying, right? How many people pray, have nodded off during my prayer? That's right, exactly. Some other guy, long-winded dude, right? Some these and thou's guy. You woke up, and you're like, whoa, he's still praying. How spiritual is he? That, that's what Jesus is trying to avoid here. People who are praying to get attention for themselves, that's their identity. Oh, that guy prays more than anybody else in the whole team. He knows it too, and that's why he keeps doing it. There's nothing wrong with a long prayer. Jesus is saying, just make sure you're sincere. Make sure you're praying to me. Make sure you're not trying to draw attention to yourself. This is all about my relationship with you. Don't be like a hypocrite. Don't be a babbler. You're not going to just, you say more things and somehow is going to respond or something. He wants the attitude of our hearts to be right. Again, our prayers need to be sincere. They need to be, they need to be prayers that are... And it doesn't matter whether it's long or short, as long as it's sincere. That's what really matters to God. Is my heart in the right place? Now, I quoted Martin Luther before, and all you long prayers, you're thinking, oh, man, see, I don't like that. Here, let, me, let me give you another, prayer, another quote from Martin Luther. Here's what he said. If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory throughout the day. Doesn't matter how short your prayer is, and doesn't matter how long your prayer is. What matters is the heart behind it. And you can pray a long, you can pray for two hours and not babble. You can pray for two hours and be very succinct and be very specific and be very sincere. You pray, you go on something, you pray for something else, you pray for someone else, and you pray for someone else. There are some prayer warriors in the church. There are some prayer warriors you know that go in their prayer closet or whatever they go. They go for two or three hours. They can, their minds can be focused. They're praying for everyone. Praise God. Don't knock on the door and tell them, you can't pray that long. Leave them in there. They're praying for us. Leave them alone. Leave those prayer people alone. They know how to pray. They're not babbling, and they're not getting anybody's attention. Martin Luther said, boy, I need to pray two hours a day, or the devil gets the control of my day. 
So it doesn't matter if it's long or short. You want to be specific. You want to be sincere. You want to be real. You want to be honest. That's what really matters. The next step, the next step to use in our model is that something that Jesus laid out for us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, that we usually call the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Now, Jesus is giving us an an illustration here of the things that we should use and we should include in prayer. Okay, it's an illustration of what we should include. He's not saying, as many people, I think, misunderstand, this is how you pray, period. Pray the same prayer over and over and over again. There's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer. Before I was a Christian, when I was a little kid, my grandparents taught me the Lord's Prayer, and I would pray that before I went to bed. Every night I'd go to bed, I'd pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Nothing wrong with that. It's a nice prayer. I was sincere as a little kid. I was very sincere. But he's not saying that's the only way you pray. What he's saying is there are principles within this that you can draw out. Here's how I want you to pray. Here's how you should pray. And we find six parts to this prayer. The first is praise. We want to we show God how much we love him. We want to praise him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means to treat as holy. We want to treat God as holy. We want to tell him how much we care about him, how much we love him. We want to start by recognizing who he is in our lives, who God is, and expressing our love for him, recognizing, oh, Lord, you are holy. You are awesome. You're all-powerful. We need to focus our attention on God. We can also focus our attention in a way to praise him on the names of God, how God is represented in, the, in his word. It, this is especially good when you're going through a stressful time, when you're going through a painful time in your life. You can say, Lord, you're my redeemer. You're my protector. You're, Lord, you are my provider. You are my peace. You're my joy. You're my deliverer. You're my rock. Lord, you're my strength. You just tell him. You, just, you, you, you pray that. You're laying those things before the Lord as you go through a difficulty in your life. It's it's a powerful way. It's a powerful way for us to pray. Now, we need to recognize again who he is and how much our our love for him. But we also, it, it helps us when we recognize him, we focus on him. It gives us a good perspective. It allows us to have perspective. It puts things the right way. We're not, we're not, you know, what happens is sometimes when we start out with prayer, we start thinking about our, we're, we start thinking about ourselves first. God, I want this. God, I need that. God, I like this. And, and when you do that, it's easy to lose your focus. But if, we, if, we're, if we're set and our eyes are focused on God, it clears our minds. It gets the focus off of ourselves. And we can see more clearly if we're, if we're focusing our eyes on him and not on our problems. That's why your mind wanders sometimes when you're in prayer. Because you're focusing on yourself. You're not focusing on God. And as we focus on God and we praise him, it allows us to keep to keep our minds closely in tune with him. And there are two ways that we, we are encouraged to praise God. One is through adoration, okay? Recognizing who God is. We're recognizing who he is, his character. And then there's also thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is, is really saying to God, we're, we're saying thank you for what you have done. We thank him for what he's done. We need both of those things as we go before the Lord. We want to thank him for who he is, his character. We want to thank him for what he's done, his deeds. 
In, in, uh, in, in Psalm chapter 100, verse 4, it says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. See, I truly believe that one of the greatest ways to enter into his courts with thanksgiving is to, is to take the time to praise him. God, I want to thank you for this. And just, God, I thank you for who you are. It opens the door to our hearts. It opens up that door to our hearts and allows the Holy Spirit to come in. It prepares us to hear his voice. You know, when we come together in our life groups and we come together here on a Sunday morning for worship, we multiply our praise. We're individuals coming together and we're thanking and we're praising God and we're singing songs of praise and we multiply our praise. We open up the kingdom of God in a way that is so powerful. It increases our desire to enter into God's presence. So let me share a couple ways that you can praise him, okay? Some things that you can use. When you're reading your Bible, you're going through and you're reading your Bible, and you come to a promise or a quality of God, write it down. Maybe you have a little, a little notebook next to your bed or one you put in your pocket or you're at, or you're at work. And when you're just doing, you, you, you come across a quality of God in, in, from his word, write it down. A promise or a quality, just write it down. Write that down so you remember it. You can also, like I said earlier, you can focus on the names of God when you're, when you're going through a difficult time and just say, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, so, it's so nice when you're sitting there and going through a stressful time and you, just, you start pouring out the praise to God and recognizing who he is. Lord, you are my redeemer. You, you, Lord, I need you to be my strength right now. I am out of work right now, Lord. I need you to deliver me. I need you to to give me the strength. I need you to give me peace and joy in my life. I don't have that right now, Lord. I'm overwhelmed. And you just go through. You go through those names of God. We should list the things that we're thankful for. You ever do that? You write down some things that you're thankful for, what God is doing in your life. Keep a record of his blessings, the good things that he's doing in your life. Isn't it amazing how often we forget the goodness of God? We just forget the goodness of God. God does so many amazing things. See, the problems of today, and there's a lot of problems today, the problems of the day overshadow the blessings of the past, and we get an attitude. We may not say it like this, but here's what we're saying. What have you done for me lately? We forget the present is overshadowed by the past and all the blessings that we have. And we get that attitude, Lord, that, yeah, that was before. What have you done for me right now? We forget. That's why God says, he tells the Israelites to remember, build an altar here to remember, to remember. We need to remember during times like this, we're going through such struggles in this country. We need to remember because you're going through such a difficult time in your life. You need to remember what God has done for you. Recall those things. Thank him. Write those down and recall those things when you're in a time of prayer. First Chronicles 16, 12 says, remember the wonders he has done. How often do we do that? We remember the wonders that he has done. God, I want to remember you. Thank you. Think about it. You're sitting here today and you've got some things going on in your life that are pretty tough. But think about it. You're sitting here. He's gotten you through everything else so far. You don't think he's going to get you through this one? He will get you through. He will be your strength. He will be your deliverer. He will be your redeemer. He will get you through. Remember what he has done in the past. He will do the same in the future. You can trust him. Make a list of the things that God has done for you. 
all the blessings he's given you in your life. And then as you go to prayer, review those things, review them. And you'll be confident in your prayer. It'll bring back your joy. It'll bring back your peace. It'll bring back that contentment because you know, yes, he got me through this and he got me through this and that time I was going to have him struggling here. And yeah, he got me through that time in school. And when I was having trouble over here, yes, he's gotten me through and he's gotten me through and he's gotten me through and he will get me through again. This really helps a person like me with my personality. It really does. That I would review the things that God has done in the past, especially when I was younger. Boy, I was, you know, I, the older you get, the more you can, I'm not, uh, you can't mellow out now. Um, I'm a little more mellowed out in the sense of recognizing that I have to stop and, and thank God for the things that he has just done or done in the past. Because in my mind, maybe you're like me, you're on to the next thing. It's like, bam, bam, bam. Okay, that was great. But now what's happening? Now what's happening? Now what's happening? I need to stop in my own life and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what's happening in the future, what's going to happen in the future. I need to stop right now and focus my attention on you and thank you for where you have me now. And that will allow me to get less frustrated about where I think I need to be right now. Someone told me God can do more in 10 minutes than you can do in 10 years. Spend some time in prayer, just focusing on the Lord, allowing him to speak to your heart. When he knows you're in that right place, when he has you where he needs you, he will continue to let you go down the path that he has for you. You don't have to be all panicked about where you are, panicked about where you're going to be. God is not going to let you not fulfill the purpose that he has for your life if you're focused on him. The next part of the Lord's, Lord's prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a tough one for us. This is a tough one. Asking for God's will to be done in your life. You're a Christian. Now I'm talking to a lot of Christians. Not everyone, but a lot of Christians. And you say, you know, God's will will be done. Of course you want God's will to be done in your life. Whatever. Right? It's like Pavlov's dogs. You were a baby Christian. You said, God, you, you finally realized what this means. You said, God, let your will be done in my life. But you're really thinking is, give me this and give me that and help this me do this and I want to get there and I want to get here. And God's like, whoa, whoa, I don't want to talk about those things. I have some things that you need to deal with here. And so let your will be done. Thy will be done, right? And all of a sudden he lets thy will be done in your life and you didn't like it too much. That was hard. So you start praying like, let your will be done according to what I want your will to be in my life. You know, you kind of, or you stop praying it at all because you don't want it to happen to you, Right? Thy will be done. That's saying, Lord, you are the... It, really, it's, it's an acknowledgement, honestly, that God is God and you're not. That's hard sometimes. Because God's going to do what God's going to do in your life to help you become more like his son, Jesus Christ. I remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was a perfect example of this. He sets an example for us. He's fully God and fully man, right? He's going to be going to the cross, so God, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating, literally sweating blood. And I'm guaranteeing you he wasn't sweating blood because he was going, oh man, they're going to hang me on a cross. That's really going to hurt. Now it was agony. Don't get me wrong. But that's not why he was sweating blood. He was sweating blood because he was going to take every sin that you and I ever committed from the first person to the last person that ever walked this earth. He was going to take all those sins upon himself and be crucified and shed his blood. And he would recognize and feel all that sin upon him who is perfect. Jesus is perfect. He would take all that sin upon him and he could understand. He could. He was God. He didn't have a finite mind. He had an infinite mind. He could understand it all and feel it all. No wonder he was sweating blood. He's sitting there just like overwhelmed and he said, but not my will be done. What? Your will be done. 
That's what we're talking about here. Saying to God, God, my life is your life. It belongs to you. My life belongs to you. Your will be done in my life. I need to pray that God's perfect will would be accomplished in my life. And you think, ah, oh, big deal. Yeah, yeah, okay, let's be real, okay? You're saying, God, because I, I have all kinds of plans. I don't know about you. I have all kinds of plans that I want to, things I want to accomplish, things I want to do before I die, legacies I want to leave, blah, 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 right? That's Jeff Greer's plans, maybe. God may have different plans for Jeff Greer's life. I have no idea. I need to say, God, I'm your vessel. Your will be done. I need to say that about myself, about my family, about my friends, about my community, about my neighbors, about my, you know, uh, about my world. God, your will be done in my life and in the lives of those around me. This is where we tell the Lord, my life is yours. Move in me according to your plan for my life. Use me. Teach me. Guide me. I'm yours. And remember something. That is the life you were created for. That is the best life to live. And the reason sometimes we don't pray that is because we really want to live the lives that we choose to live. How's that going for you? Honestly, how's that going for you? How's it going for our world right now? Everybody's going to do their own thing. Each person turns to his own way. How's that going for us? We ignore God. We deny God. We push God out of everywhere. And then we're wondering, what the heck is going on here? Why is everything so messed up? Thy will be done, Lord. Give me, I give you my life. Okay, I want to stop right there, okay? Um, We're going to finish the rest of this passage next week. I want to apply it to our lives right now. I want to live this out right now. Let's pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. I want you to close your eyes just for a second and just listen to what I'm saying, okay? Please concentrate on what I'm saying because here's what I want to do the rest of our time. I just want to give this over to the Holy Spirit and kind of get out of the way a little bit here. First off, we need to have the right attitude. Take your mask off, lower your guard, put down your walls, we are the body of Christ. We're in this together. I want, to, I want to say something that's going to shock all of you. There's no perfect person in this room. No one is perfect. We all have problems. We all have issues. If we can crawl into each other's minds, we'd be horrified, not by the sin in our lives, but by what that person is going through, and they have never told anyone about it. The struggles they're facing in their marriages, the struggle they're facing with their children, the struggle they're facing with, uh, with, their, with family members, the struggle they're facing at work, or maybe they don't have a job. There's so many things going on. There's a smile on the face, but a burden in the heart. Drop the guard. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to have the right attitude, being real, being authentic, being sincere. We need to be specific. We need to be specific with each other. We have prayer needs. We need to talk to each other. We need to talk to God, sharing those needs so other people can pray for you. I asked the band to come up and lead us in worship. I want them to play a, a, a song because as we enter into worship, we draw into the presence of God. We multiply our praise. So we're going to start off by multiplying our praise, our adoration and thanksgiving. Unity multiplies praise. So after we sing, though, after this worship song, I want you to ask God for his will to be done in your life. That's one thing. I want you to do that. God, your will be done in my life, and your will be done in this church. 
I also know there's a lot of people here that are really hurting. You've had, you're going through a really difficult time right now. You've lost your job. You can't find a job. You have cancer. You're struggling. You found out some really bad news from the doctor this week. Whatever the case may be, you're emotionally struggling. You're physically struggling. Some thoughts are coming back into your mind that you, you, know, you, you know you have to deal with them, but they're a little bit overwhelming. You need prayer. So after we're done singing this song, I want some to come up and I want you to, I want, we have chairs up here for you to sit in. We have the front rows that are open. I want you to come up and we have people here who are going to pray for you. We're going to pray for each other. If you're standing out there and someone is praying for someone else and you don't know how to pray, just come over and lay hands on that person and pray in your mind. Whatever God puts on your heart to pray for that person. So they'll continue to pray softly and as they pray softly after we sing together, come on up. Sit in these chairs and let's pray for each other. I also want you, in the back, there's a whiteboard. There's some markers back there and there's a whiteboard. Let's praise him. Let's thank him. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Thank him for who he is and what he's done. Write that down. Things you're thankful for. Things you want to praise him for. Names that you want to call out. God, be my redeemer. Be my strength. Write those things down. Just allow the Holy Spirit to move here this morning. I left us plenty of time because I want the Spirit to move in our lives. Let's just stand together. As you stand just right now, grab the hand of the person next to you, if that's all right. We're going to sing this song together.